Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. Now, last week I spoke to you about the John Schaefer situation. John Schaefer being the guitarist and founder of the band Iced Earth and who was also involved in the storming of the Capitol building uh, back in early January. Um, since then, there have been a number of developments on that, so I thought I'd just update that story before I go ahead with the rest of the podcast. So John Schaefer has actually turned himself into the police, and it turns out he's facing six charges now. Um, so those are knowingly entering or remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority, disrupting the orderly conduct of government business, knowingly engages in an act of physical violence against any person or property in any restricted building or grounds, violent entry and disorderly conduct in a capital building, engage in an act of physical violence in a capital building, parade, demonstrate or picket in a capital building. So, um, yeah, they're throwing the book at John for the various offences he committed um, when, during the infamous now storming of the Capitol building. The one that stands out to me is knowingly engages in an act of physical violence against any person or property in any restricted building or grounds. So it's come out since that John Schaefer has been suspected of spraying bear spray into the eyes of a police officer at the Capitol building. So it seems like I, I speculated last week whether or not he was involved in rioting. I, I didn't know, so I didn't want to say anything. But it seems that he has been accused of spraying bear spray, which from my uh, reading is kind of like a, a more severe form of mace used to, uh, at, well, if you suppose for hunters, used to spray at bears. And as far as I can gather, it temporarily blinds the person who would spray that and they need to rinse their eyes in water in order to regain their vision. So very serious stuff there from John. Um, this is not looking good at all. Uh, he uh, apparently law or sorry, government lawyers are asking the judge not to offer um, Schaefer a bond when he goes in front of the magistrate. Um, he has to prove to the fed- federal magistrate that he's not a threat to himself or the public before being released on bail. Others who have been charged with the insurrection at the Capitol have been given bail, but ordered to surrender their firearms, avoid contact with other alleged Capitol rioters, and stay away from all state Capitol buildings. And some other alleged rioters have been prohibited from using social media and participating in any political rallies. Now, I don't know if how many weapons John Schaefer owns, but he strikes me as the kind of person who owns a few guns. I, I think that's a fair assumption to make. So, it, it, this is... Um, God, like I, I don't even know what to say about this one anymore. But um, it seems like he is definitely going to um, face se- severe consequences for uh, what he engaged in in the Capitol building there uh, a couple of weeks ago, and he has a long, long list of uh, offences that he's been accused of. So I suppose I'll just keep looking at this case and, and watching it as it unfolds, like everybody else. Um, Century Media have removed Iced Earth and. Demons and Wizards from their online catalogue. There are no references to the bands now online on their website as their artists in their in their repertoire. Uh, so it seems like the record company have distanced themselves from John Schaefer as well, as well as his bands. Um, so there you go. Anyway, that's just an update on that. I thought I, I should at least speak about it for a bit um, before moving on with the rest of the episode. So uh, I got some good feedback on that episode. I really appreciate it. And thanks to anybody who contacted me about that. Uh, a couple of people on Twitter online uh, contacted me and, and they said that I presented a balanced case and that's what I, that's what I was going for really I didn't want to be making accusations or you know trial by Twitter or trial by podcast there's enough of that all around like there's enough of that around everywhere else and um, people were damning John Schaefer the minute this was announced and saying they were going to burn their I start records and throw out all their merchandise and blah 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 like I, I don't know <clears throat> people tend to react quite instantly on, on social media now and quite extremely and I don't know I'd like to look at something and, and make my mind up gradually about these things I don't think it's something you can instantly react to and say I'll never listen to Ice Earth again and maybe some people won't and that's their prerogative but uh, for me as I said last week I, it's it's more a case of separating the artist from the art and I don't know trying to just contact trying to just approach it in a, a balanced way and not just react in an extreme fashion and, and make all these grand claims about um, what I'm going to do and, um, I don't know, like, John Schaefer should be hung, drawn and quartered and whatever. Um, <clears throat> we'll see We'll see what happens. We'll see if it's proven that he did the things that he's accused of doing as well. Again, like, 
I don't think somebody should be tried on social media or be tried on a podcast. Um, that's what the courts are for. Anyway, um, there's been some uh, great crack on Twitter recently. Uh, I have been engaging in, in chats with a lot of different people on Twitter. Uh, good buzz going on there. At Feckin' Metal Cast. Not at Feckin' Metal, like I said on Uncle Steve's podcast recently. But it's at Feckin' Metal Cast is how you can contact me on Twitter. That's where I am online most of the time. There's also the Feckin' Check-In Podcast Facebook page. I'm not really on there very often. But if you want to speak to me or uh, get news about episodes or just engage online. You can find me on Twitter. A lot of the time it's at Feckin' Metalcast and there's been great banter back and forth there uh, over the last few days with various different people. I'd, I'd also like to acknowledge that I definitely think I have inherited listeners from Uncle Steve's Iron Maiden's own podcast and also Wayne's Iron Maiden podcast as well. Um, I've noticed a lot of listeners have come across to my podcast from those podcasts and I greatly appreciate the following that those two podcasts have built up and I greatly appreciate uh, listeners moving across and giving mine uh, a try as well. So thanks for that to both uh, Wayne or Paul and uh, Steve. And I think all of us have actually uh, inherited massively uh, the listenership from Talking Maiden. When that podcast finished, there was a lack of heavy metal podcasts, certainly a lack of Iron Maiden content out there. And I think all of us have gained massively from that. And uh, Melissa, Metal Chat with Melissa as well, um, is another one, um, which has created a bit of a following too online. And I think all of us have done well in the, in the wake of... Uh, Iron Maiden, uh, Talking Maiden, sorry. Um, so thanks to Nesbitt and Josh as well. And and last week, really, I I, I based that episode. It, it was really my attempt at a deep dive. Um, it wasn't the deepest of dives. And um, if it were Nesbitt doing that, I reckon he would have found quotes from John Schaefer in 1990 and 1996 and 2007 and, and compared all of them and gone into the much finer details of it all. But my approach really to the John Schaefer episode was going and finding interview clips and uh, online articles and just basically doing a deep dive. And I think the whole time I had Nesbitt in mind, how would Nesbitt approach this? Uh, how would he present the facts if it were on Talking Maiden? So again, I've mentioned this many times, but Talking Maiden is hugely influential to me as a podcaster and really was my motivation for starting a podcast. So I just want to acknowledge that as well. Now, I have some very interesting news. Next week, I'm going to be speaking to a guest, something which has been in the works actually since the 29th of August, before I even released my very first episode of Feckin' Metal. I was drawing together a list of people who I'd like to speak to and who I thought might be likely to be a guest, to appear as a guest on the podcast. And Somewhat naively, I think, um, I emailed Blaze Bailey's management back on the 29th of August and asked if Blaze might be interested in appearing as a guest on the podcast. Now, I did mention at the time that it was a new podcast. I was just starting out and Blaze's manager, uh, Mark Appleton, very graciously got back to me and said he was organizing media days for Blaze in January in, co in, in in conjunction with the release of his new album, uh, which is coming out in March, and to get back to him in December. So I got back to him in December. He asked me to contact him in January, got back to him in January. And finally, now we've managed to put together a day. So on Monday, uh, in two days time from today, I'll be speaking to Blaze Bailey. That episode will be up on Friday of next week. So I'm really looking forward to that. Blaze is a huge influence, or not an influence, but like he's just a huge uh, part of my life musically. I listened to Iron Maiden back in the day, the Best of the Beast album that I've said many times. His was the first voice I ever heard for Iron Maiden. Those Blaze songs opened the CD. And uh, later on, when I went and got The X Factor, I absolutely loved that album. It was so dark and it was something that I needed, I think, really, as a, as a teen or an early 20s uh, year old. <coughs> year old. Um, it was my escape back when I was younger, going to listen to The X Factor. It was just something that was so different from the other Iron Maiden catalogue. And um, I could get immersed in that album and I listened to it so much. And I, I really loved the fact that it was like if you want to if you want to put on the number of the beast, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get a fast paced heavy metal album, really melodic um, lots of great guitar solos and that type of stuff. But the X Factor is just something entirely different. Um, it, it still has great songs. There are still melodies there, but the, the overall tone of the album is dark it's reflective it's um it's just something that's um stands out in their discography and always will i think as 
been completely unique and I love that album and I can't wait to speak to Blaze about that. Also speak to him about the Infinite Entanglement trilogy and maybe a few other different topics as well. I'm going to put together some questions tomorrow so I really want to try and ask some more original questions to Blaze. I know he's going to be doing the rounds with media for this album and um, so I don't want to be asking him the same things as everybody else so I'm going to try and come up with some original stuff to ask Blaze and hopefully that turns into a good interview so really looking forward to that. Um, But mainly, what I wanted to discuss on this episode are some recent and upcoming releases from uh, metal bands that I'm a fan of or have recently discovered. So, um, Trevor William Church from Haunt, uh, I've spoken to him on the podcast and I've spoken about him extensively because he's involved in a lot of different projects which I'm a fan of currently and I tend to go and investigate anything that he gets involved in because I think he adds a, a magic touch to bands that he produces or he like provides backing vocals for like with Oath or whatever and um, so I'm interested in his work in general um, and he was kind enough to send me a, an advanced copy of the upcoming Haunt album Beautiful Distraction which I've listened to a few times over the last couple of days. So it's a new day yes it is as Big E Langston might say. Um, I recorded half of this yesterday, which was Saturday, and I'm recording the rest of it today on Sunday. Uh, various different distractions got in the way, and I've kind of felt daunted, to be honest, about a re- reviewing an album on a podcast, because I've never done that before. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've never done that before in my life, and um, I, I took extensive notes on the Haunt album, Beautiful Distraction. But then I said to myself, you know, how do you review an album on a podcast? But yes, it seemed like a daunting prospect to review an album on a podcast. I don't really know how to do that. I've never done that before in my life, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. So as I said, Trevor was uh, kind enough to send me uh, an advanced copy of Beautiful Distraction, which I have received and listened to multiple times. I think I'm just going to go through my notes here. So Haunt, for anyone who doesn't know, is Trevor describes it as a, as a, a solo project. Now, he at various points has had different members come and go in and out of the band. And when he's done live shows, he obviously has a full band, but basically a lot of the haunt product is done solely by Trevor with some additional guests here and there. So for this album, Trevor plays absolutely everything on the album, apart from some guitar solos. Uh, So he has Philly Bibiano from Fortress playing guest guitar solos on some of the tracks but other than that the drums the bass the guitar the singing is all Trevor and I just find that so impressive uh, that somebody can make such an excellent sounding album and and he produces it as well such an excellent sounding album and essentially this guy is a one-man band and for those of you who are interested I spoke to Trevor uh I don't know, a couple of months ago now. It's it's one of my earlier episodes on Feckin' Metal. You can go and search on the feed, but the the name of the episode is, is Trevor William Church, so um, you, you shouldn't have to t- look too hard to find it. And Trevor can talk. He can talk. <laughs> he certainly can. And uh, he, he had a lot of interesting things to say, so go and seek out that episode if you're interested. But Haunt, to me, are one of the current crop of metal bands. Some people might say, would you call them metal? Maybe not, but they're... Let's say they're certainly hard rock slash heavy metal in in the same vein as Ozzy Osbourne's 80s material was. Um, I kind of, not that Trevor sounds like Ozzy, but I kind of get reminded uh, about Ozzy Osbourne when when I listen to Haunt. I can't really put my finger on what it is, but I think it might be the, the 80s influenced sound that uh, you know, is is prominent on, on a lot of haunt, haunt albums, um, and and there are a lot of haunt albums. I mean, the band, the project, the solo project, whatever it is, has only been around since twenty seventeen, and we've got six studio albums, and we've got a couple of EPs, and it's it's insane. Like he's he's done so much in such a short time. The same that he did with Beastmaker, to be honest. And I can't say that I've listened to a lot of Beastmaker stuff. I've listened to some of it, um, not all of it, but he was lashing out Beastmaker EPs like there was no tomorrow back in the day and he's doing the same stuff with Haunt and I was actually chatting to Trevor online recently and he was saying that he wants to have uh, 20 albums out um, by the end of Haunt by the by, when he's 47 years old and uh, he's 40 years old now so in, in another seven years he wants to release a further 14 albums 
And I said to him, don't be so modest, Trevor, you'll have those out by 2023. <laughs> and then you might ask, how, how um, objective can this review be? Because I've spoken to Trevor on my podcast and I've spoken to him a bit, just a small bit, not, not massive, a small bit on, on Facebook Messenger and gone back and forth with him. But really, like this this podcast, what it was set out to be was um, a celebration of the music that I like. So I'm not going to review an album on here just to slate it. I, I wouldn't do that. If I listen to an album and I didn't think it was very good, I'm not going to come on the air, the air, and, uh, and slate it and, and talk down about it and say it's terrible i i just wouldn't bother featuring it on the episode so you might think that's not very objective but at the same time this is a essentially a vehicle for me to talk about music that i really like and promote music that i really like because i think bands like haunt and visigoth and uh, seven sisters and those type of bands you know underground heavy metal bands uh i think we should all celebrate this music because it's new and it's it's come out in the last few years, and everybody loves Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Black Sabbath and Accept and whatever bands. But like, let's talk about the new crop of people who are going to lead the way, whatever form that takes when the lockdown is lifted, and when the likes of Iron Maiden and and Black Sabbath, obviously they're already gone, but when the likes of those bands accept can no longer perform concerts, there will be a gap in the market as i discussed very early on on the podcast with um with kyle mcneil from seven sisters and i discussed a bit with jarvis leatherby as well a few episodes back there is going to be a huge dearth of bands once all of the legacy acts finally bow out and eventually they're going to have to it's it's the circle of life as elton john might put it eventually at some point illness age or death unfortunately, is going to put an end to all of the bands that we really love. And there is going to be a massive gap in festival bills and certain bands are going to have to fill it. And personally, I really hope that the likes of Visigoth and Night Demon and Seven Sisters and even Oath and um, bands like that can fill that gap. But we'll have to see what actually happens. We, we, We don't know. But personally, I would love to see those bands climbing up the you know, the the festival lineups into like second headliners and first headliners and things like that. But we, we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, Haunt is a band that I've liked since 2017. I first heard the Luminous Eyes EP on Spotify. I mentioned to uh, Trevor that I got into Haunt via Spotify and I know he's not a fan of Spotify and that's fine. Um, but personally, I find Spotify a great way to get into a new band because mainly because of the algorithm so algorithm so if i'm listening to a band let's say like seven sisters or night demon um and the album finishes or the ep finishes it'll suggest newer songs or sorry it'll suggest more songs that it thinks that i might be interested in and many times in the past spotify has suggested excellent songs that i didn't know before and i had no knowledge of the band whatsoever and it suggests songs and i listen to them and it might be night demon or it might be seven sisters and i go wow this is excellent and i'll add it to a playlist just to remind myself that i really like this album and uh, i'm i'm sure well i'm not certain actually it may it may have been my friend kevin who suggested haunt to me originally but haunt and bands of their ilk i have discovered through spotify I've never seen a Haunt live show, but I have bought Haunt t-shirts and I have bought Haunt digital music and I will continue to support the band or the project, the solo project, um, as long as it continues because I find a lot of great music is being produced by by Trevor and by Haunt. Um, so this album is called Beautiful Distraction. It's not available until next month, um, but Trevor did send me a copy and I have listened to it. I don't really know how to review an album on a podcast. I've never done it before, as I said earlier. I'm repeating myself here. But I'm just going to go through the notes that I've made because I've made extensive notes. So the opening song is the title track of the album. It's called Beautiful Distraction. Uh, What I've written down here is immediately trademark TWC riff. So that's Trevor William Church. I think in a very short period of time, Trevor has managed to forge an iconic haunt sound. It's like... It's their signature sound, and that's quite difficult to do, especially in that, like, Trevor says that he's not part of the new wave of traditional heavy metal movement, but 
he's certainly been lumped in with that movement. Um, but he claims that he's just making rock albums, metal albums, and he's just following his own muse and he's following his own inspiration. And he doesn't necessarily feel like feel like he belongs to a movement like the new wave of traditional heavy metal. But to me, I think Haunt has managed to forge a signature sound in a very short period of time. So the minute the opening riff kicks in on Beautiful Distraction on the title track of the album, it sounds like Haunt. And that that is something that's quite difficult to do. Uh, a lot of these bands have been accused of just aping uh, bands from the 80s and, you know, slightly updating the style or whatever, or slightly putting their own spin on it. But I, I think Haunt, and go and listen to a few Haunt albums. Listen to uh, Luminous Eyes, which was the first EP released back in 2017. Listen to um, listen to the the latest album, Beautiful Distraction. Listen to Burst Into Flames or If Icarus Could Fly and tell me that you don't notice a signature sound on those albums because I don't know how you couldn't. Uh, it's it's just so prevalent. It's 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 the way Trevor plays the guitar, I think, and and obviously his vocal delivery style as well. It, to me, he has crafted a signature sound, and that, that is, as I said, it's something that's quite difficult to do, but he's he's mastered it. So, for the opening track, Beautiful Distraction, I've said trademark Trevor uh, riff, production sounds dense and layered. So, if you go back and listen to Luminous Eyes, you'll find that the production is very DIY. It's very like somebody in their basement or their, their back room releasing an EP, not necessarily being too concerned with the production values. The production values on Luminous Eyes, frankly, are, are poor. And I, I would say Trevor would admit to that as well. But they've come on leaps and bounds in, in three years. And the production on Beautiful Distraction just sounds pristine, clean, and excellent. Um, I've said the chorus repeats itself. And, and that's kind of also a signature of Haunt. The choruses are quite repetitive. But it harks back to, I think, 80s heavy metal and 80s hard rock, where a chorus line was uh, was a hook. And it, it hooked you in and it was something that you would find yourself repeating over and over again in your head. And that's kind of the way Trevor approaches choruses, I think. And I don't really think there's anything wrong with that. Like some people might say repeating the same line on a chorus four times in a row is, is, isn't very creative. But I find like when it's music that's not particularly complex, it's not particularly, um, it's not like avant-garde it's not prog it's just a hard rock song and you know acdc mastered that before anybody else did just you know dirty deeds done dirt cheap dirty deeds done dirt cheap that fucking sticks in your head and it sticks in my head and i think that's the approach that uh, trevor is going with haunt is get that hook that sticks in your head repeat it four times and then that's a song that people will go off and they'll sing to themselves and they're like, wow, that band is actually really good and I must investigate them. And I think that's the approach that Trevor is going with for Haunt. Uh, now, so I, me- I mentioned Philly Bibiano from Fortress does the um, additional guitar solos on this album, Beautiful Distraction. And I found myself listening to this going, this is excellent guitar. So here's the second solo from the song, which was by Philly Bibiano. <laughs> Okay, so that was beautiful distraction. Uh, next track on the album is in our in our dreams. Um, this was uh, another really really catchy song. I have to say, a multi layered chorus. There's a great guitar solo after the first chorus, which is Trevor, and I'm going to play a clip of that now. So I have to say that Trevor's guitar playing has come on leaps and bounds since the early days of Haunt. Um, the riffing, it's excellent. It's rapid fire. The, the riffing behind the chorus in general. And I'll just play, play a little clip of the chorus here to let you know what I'm talking about. And then like the second solo later on is just excellent. Uh, we move on to Fortune's Wheel, to put a bit of a synthy opening here, really, really nice harmonies. 
and I've just written here for a one-man band this is just unbelievable stuff like and this is just really really good stuff I'm just gonna play a bit of the harmonies that I was referring to there Okay, um, so the next track on the album is Face of Danger. Uh, so this just has an excellent opening riff. Just have a listen to this and see if the hair on the back of your neck doesn't stand up. Right, so that was the opening riff to Face of Danger. Just really, really good hard rock, like steeped in 80s influence, certainly. But as I said, I think Haunt have forged their own signature sound. And I, I don't think that can be denied. Like it's it just, the minute the song starts, it sounds like a Haunt song. I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is. It may be the guitar tone or I don't know quite what it is, but Trevor has really come a long way to forging his own sound. And this song is no different. Um, again, I've said that the vocals are just, drastically improved on the, on those early haunt eps uh, luminous eyes and, and mosaic vision trevor's vocals almost sounded muddy drowned out and it was as if he wasn't confident in himself as a vocalist and i assume that must be what was the case because the vocals on beautiful distraction are just so much clearer they're much more pristine they're out in front you can hear them you can pick up the lyrics you can pick up the words whereas i found on luminous eyes the vocals were kind of drowned out and muddy. And I think Trevor has obviously just increased in confidence as a vocalist. And he's proud and he's singing loud and he's singing clearly. And it, it shows on this album. And it's one of the highlights of the album for me personally. So, yeah. Also, the guitar solo here, again, by Fibi Bibiano. Excellent guitar solo. Um, second solo, even better. Um, I think this is Trevor. So this is Trevor playing the second solo on Face of Danger. All right, so with this album, what we have as well is four of the songs on the album were previously released on different Haunt releases. So track five, which we're coming up to now, Sea of Dreams, was released on the Haunt and Seven Sisters split single in 2019. Um, track eight, A Fool's Paradise, was released on the Haunt and Fortress split single, which was in 2019. Track nine, Hearts on Fire, was released on Trevor's album uh, Mind Freeze, which was from 2020. And track 10, It's In My Hands, was released on the 2019 album If Icarus Could Fly. So you have a few new versions of old songs on this album, and this is the first of those. Um, so my thoughts on Sea of Dreams, I went back and listened to the old version, which I have purchased from Bandcamp. And I will say that the intro is a bit more synthy on the modern version of Sea of Dreams. Um, I personally prefer the guitar tone on the original. I think it's more menacing. So I'm just going to play you a, a sample of the guitar tone on the original, and I'm going to play you next a guitar, the guitar tone on the uh, re-recorded version. Okay, so you could hear the two different guitar tones there on Sea of Dreams, as I said, one of which was released on a split single with uh, Seven Sisters back in 2019. I prefer the guitar tone on the original, but the newer version of the song overall, I think, is, is excellent. And it's far, it's far better and it's a huge improvement on the original song. So I think the vocals are a lot better on the new version. Um, I, I've written here, it seems Trevor was mumbling the vocals early on. Um, not as confident a singer. And, and that's what I kind of think overall in general. I, I feel he's really increased in confidence as a singer and he really puts his voice out there in the mix now. Whereas back in the day, 
back in those early singles or splits or EPs, it was buried in the mix. And I'm guessing, I'm, I'm just speculating that it was due to a lack of confidence, but that, that's the only thing I can come up with. Like, because he actually is a good singer. He can carry a melody. He can carry a hook very well. But uh, I think back in the early days, he, he buried himself a bit in the mix. And maybe it was due to the production values of the equipment he had. I, I know he's uh, purchased um, some newer equipment recently, which has improved the recording process to no end. So it could be a combination of both. But I find on the re-recorded version of Sea of Dreams, he, he sounds so much better than the original version. So this is track six on Beautiful Distraction. And I've written here, it has a lovely bridge into a solo. Fantastic soloing and simple structure. And I'm just going to play you a clip of the bridge that leads into the solo here. I think this is excellent. to now imaginary borders this is a new song i've said nice guitar intro singing is so much improved and you know I, i'm probably repeating myself here across the board but i really feel like trevor's vocals have improved so much and i'll just play you a little clip now of of that Okay, so that was Trevor uh, on Imaginary Borders there. The next song is called A Fool's Paradise. So A Fool's Paradise is one of the songs I mentioned earlier. This was on the Haunt Fortress split single from 2019. Uh, this is a new version. Um, again, I've written here, I think the in the original, the vocals were delivered with far less confidence. Um, they, I felt they were mixed kind of muddily. The newer one has much more clarity in the vocals. And again, I'll just play you a little clip here um, of the vocals. The second last song on the album is called Hearts on Fire and again this was released previously. It was on the album Mind Freeze from 2020. With the speed that Trevor releases music, Mind Freeze seems like eons ago, uh, but it was only actually last year. And here's a clip from the recent version on Beautiful Distraction. So I've said here, um, again, I just think the vocals have improved drastically. Um, and overall, it's just a it's a better version of the song. You know, some people will say like, oh, it's kind of lazy to release older songs and just keep re-releasing them. But I, I feel there's enough material on this album. Like there are there are six songs that were never released before and four re-recordings. And I feel in each case that the re-recordings were warranted and uh, can be justified by the fact that they are of a much higher quality. So I'm in favor of including those older songs on this. Uh, and I, I think Trevor is probably finished with this now. He's done a bit of this now. He's like, um, he released the album of uh, Luminous Eyes and Mosaic Vision. He released that album there um, where he where he re-recorded all the tracks from those two albums again on Triumph. Um, and now he's re-recorded some older tracks again for Beautiful Distraction. But I feel now in, in future, he's probably probably done with this. And the only stuff we're going to be hearing from Trevor in future is newer stuff. And that's good as well. But these re-recorded versions of songs are excellent, I have to say. And I'm, I'm a big fan of, of hearing newer versions where he's a more accomplished musician. And speaking of Ice Earth, um, Ice Earth did an album 
in I think 97 and it was called Days of Purgatory and at the time Matt Barlow was the singer in Iced Earth and he re-recorded versions of songs that were recorded by the first couple of singers Gene Adam and John Greeley and those songs benefited massively from that and that's actually an excellent I don't know if you'd call it a compilation album really because it's a it's an album of re-recording so it's a double CD album uh, whatever you might feel about I Start I don't know maybe you, you never want to listen to them again but if you are curious go and listen to Days of Purgatory which is a double CD album of mainly re-recordings of songs by John Grady and Gene Adam but also um, they re-recorded some of the songs from the Matt Barlow era and just improved upon them greatly and that's a good example of, of what I'm talking about now of what Trevor has done here on Beautiful Distraction um, re-recorded songs better than the original versions finally we have the last track on the album which is again a re-recording it's called It's In My Hands so the original <laughs> the original version of this was on Mind Freeze and I wrote um, the original version has the mashed potato mix so I at one point in my life I described Blackie Lawless's vocals as sounding like he had a mouthful of mashed potato. Now I actually came to really like Wasp and I came to really like Blackie's vocal style and that was my initial reaction to hearing um, The Neon God Part 1 The Rise. I went and bought it in a shop for 5 euro and I, I don't know, I didn't I didn't really get Blackie's style. And I, I said, I described online on, on the website, Rate Your Music, I, I wrote a review of that album and I said, he sounds like he has a mouthful of mashed potato. And I've used mashed potato here again. And I don't mean this as an insult. I, I just mean it as, I find the vocals on, on older Haunt songs and even Mind Freeze falls into this category. It was only last year, but as I said, the production has come on so far. Um, I find Trevor's vocals on the original version kind of a bit mashed potato, but on um, on Beautiful Distraction, the vocals are much cleaner, just just much better. Um, and there's excellent guitar soloing and riffing as well. But I'm just going to play you a small clip here as well from It's In My Hands. It's in my hands. Alright, so that was Beautiful Distraction by Haunt. It's out next month. I think Trevor said he's going to be releasing a single um, in early February. I can't remember which song has been released as a single, but it will be out next month. Uh, so keep an eye on that. Available on Bandcamp, of course. Bandcamp is a great place to follow underground metal musicians. I fully endorse it and I wholly promote it on Feckin' Metal. I've purchased many digital albums from Bandcamp. I've purchased some merchandise as well. If you want to support underground metal, the best way you can do it is by buying digital albums on Bandcamp. And you might think to yourself, well, these albums are available on Spotify. Not really in the case of Haunt, because Trevor hasn't released anything from Haunt recently on Spotify. But for other bands, they are. Uh, for the next band I'm going to talk about, for example, Sabre, their album, Without Warning, is available on Spotify for free. If you have a Spotify subscription, you can listen to this album Um as much as you want, you know, without paying any extra money. But I would just like to put forward the idea of maybe if you really like a band, you should give them some money. And the reason I say this, I, I don't want to sound preachy or anything like that, is that bands cannot go out and play live gigs anymore. They have bands like underground metal bands like Sabre and Oath and even Haunt. They cannot make any money from live shows. Oath obviously never did any live shows, but just spare a thought for musicians who are providing you with excellent music and enjoyment and they are basically sitting at home recording in their home studio and producing these albums that we all enjoy and listen to throw them a few quid that that's my you know that's my logic here like if you want to see bands rise from the ashes of the coronavirus in 2020 throw them a few quid give them some money Play their songs on Bandcamp for free, by all means, listen to them. But after a while, if you really like them, my own personal approach is show them a few quid, buy the album digitally. It's going to cost you about as much as a, a, a McDonald's meal, you know, a Big Mac meal, maybe with some chicken nuggets on the side. And you, what you've done really is you've helped the band financially. The only method of income that they have really is is people paying for their music digitally and maybe paying for merchandise but 
you know, the markup on the merchandise probably isn't that high, it's especially based on some of the bands I've recently purchased t-shirts from. Like they're they're only fifteen euro, and I'm looking at it going, how much can you possibly be making on this? Like even if the t-shirt was seven euro to produce, you've got distribution, you've got postage, you've got an artist who had to design the logo, whatever. Throw some bands a few quid, you know, uh, help them. I think it's a very noble way to spend a few quid, spend your money. Uh, just give it to an underground band. You know, you probably won't notice the dent in your own income, but you will have helped somebody massively uh, without even realizing it. All right, so that was a Beautiful Destruction by Haunt. Uh, I also said I was going to review the album by Sabre, which is called Without Warning. It was just released in January of this year. And that's another album that Trevor William Church has been involved in. As I said, I, I'm, I'm just very interested in things that Trevor gets involved in because it seems to to lift those artists or those bands um, from where they were previously. Oath SC or Oath is, is an example. Um, and Sabre is another example. So they had a, a, an EP out last year, a couple of songs on it, but they have a full album out this year and, and Trevor has uh, drummed on it and he has also produced it. Um, so I had a listen to Sabre. I, I downloaded it from Bandcamp, uh, bought it from Bandcamp, and I was I was interested, just cur- out of curiosity, because Trevor was involved in it, and I have listened to it, and I'm going to give you my synopsis of that now. Maybe not as long as the Haunt album, but um, this is available anyway, like for everyone to hear if you want. It's on Spotify. Uh, obviously, it's on Bandcamp if you want to purchase the album directly from Sabre. It's on Bandcamp, but that's S-A-B-E-R on Bandcamp. Uh, so... Um, this is called Without Warning, and it was released this year in January. Uh, a very, very new and fresh metal album for your ears to listen to if you would like. Um, the first song, Storm of Steel, there's a kind of a screaming intro. Um, and then it's like later on, it gets to some gang vocals. I, I've said very, very nice guitar solo. It really speaks to me. Um, it really sounds like new wave of traditional heavy metal. And, and you might say to yourself, well, what does that sound like? What? What does new wave of traditional heavy metal sound like? I'm going to play you a clip here, and I think this is what new wave of traditional heavy metal sounds like. Okay, uh, so we're on to the title track. Next track, I've said lovely, heavy riff and scream out of the, the very start of the song. Um, do you know what? I'm not massively taken with the vocals on this song uh, or, or re- the album, really. Uh, I found it hard to get in to the vocalist of Sabre. But I do appreciate the music and I think it's very, very good. And it's... It's excellent heavy metal. There's really good riffing, really good soloing. And I think maybe the vocals might take a while for me to get into. Um, certain vocalists, certain bands, it takes me a while to get into them. I I found it difficult, as I mentioned previously on an, on an earlier episode, to get into Sirith Ungle. But eventually I really did get into them and I really enjoyed those older albums um, on like a second or third or fourth listen where when I first listened to them, I was like, nah, I don't know. I don't know about this Rob Baker guy. I was like, um, his vocals sound kind of harsh, screechy. But I think maybe sometimes you need to attune your ear to certain vocalists. And I, I think the vocalist from Sabre might be one of those vocalists for me. But uh, yeah, that song, excellent. Um, the singer's vocals sound stronger in the chorus, I've said. Um, that's the song Without Warning. I'll play a little clip of that now. Moving on to Midnight Rider. So this is a heavy song and you've got your Ugh! in there as well, which is a heavy metal staple. Uh, I think it goes back to, is it, is it Celtic Frost who started doing that first? Or actually, I can't remember. You, you might correct me on that. I'm not sure. Um, 
but uh, is prominent in a lot of heavy metal bands now. Uh, Seven Sisters does it. Uh, Visigoth as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's always uh, a welcome thing. Maybe, I don't think it was Celtic Frost, actually. It's probably some other band. Correct me. Tell me. At Feckin' Metal Cast on Twitter. Let me know about my ignorance. Um, but yeah, Midnight Rider, I've said nice screaming, nice chorus, uh, multi-tracked uh, vocals. Very nice. Nice guitar. So here's a little clip of Midnight Rider. Next, we have Strike of the Witch. So, yeah, I've said a very nice opening. The vocals are, uh, I like, I, I don't want to disrespect a band who is making DIY albums from their home, most likely, and doing it purely for the love of the music, because I, I have so much respect for those bands, and I have so much respect for bands like Sabre and Haunt and Seven Sisters and you know, bands I've mentioned, ad nauseum. Um, I'm just not fully taken on the vocalist. Apologies about that, but th that's how I feel. Um, I think this, the music is excellent. Uh, the chorus is really good. I'll just play a little bit of the chorus here. But yes, um, overall, very good song, very good song. Um, I'm just, I'm just not a hundred percent converted on the vocalist. That's all. Okay, so we're on to Outlaw. Uh, this is the fifth track on the album. I've said the opening riff reminds me of Motorhead, and I think there is a real strong Motorhead sound from that riff. I'm just going to play a clip of the opening riff here. <laughs> Okay, so that was the opening riff to Outlaw, and I've written down here, proper heavy metal, exclamation mark. This, to me, just sounds like the epitome of heavy metal. If you're going to play a heavy metal song to somebody, play them Outlaw by Sabre. Don't play them some standard song like Number of the Beast or uh, Master of Puppets. Play them this, because this is heavy metal, this is 2021, and this is what people are releasing nowadays. But uh, that, I think that's a really good song. It, it kind of sounds, uh, I said it had a Motorhead opening riff, but it, to, to me the song kind of sounds Judas Priest-esque uh, overall. It's um, it's Outlaw, track number five. Um, excellent guitar solo and excellent bridge. So if you're on Spotify, go seek that out. Or if you want to throw the band a bit of money, go and seek it out on Bandcamp as well. Next track, again, I've written here, great riff and really nice scream. Um, vocals, very high-pitched. Uh, guitar, fantastic. So here's a little clip. Right, and we come to the uh, penultimate song on the album. It's called We'll Meet Again, and it's not by Vera Lynn. Uh, it's not a World War II song. Um, it's, a, it's a song by Sabre in 2021. Um, but yeah, I, again, I said very high-pitched vocals. I don't know. Hopefully I warm to these. Um, but also uh, very, very nice guitar work in this song. Um, they they do repeat the chorus like twelve times. They say we'll meet again about twelve times. Um and I dunno, maybe that's overkill. Overkill on that, but it's not a bad song. It's not a bad song. Um so that's We'll Meet Again by Saber. I'll play a little clip of We'll Meet Again here. We'll meet again, we'll meet again. We'll meet again. We'll meet again. And finally, we come to Speed Racer. Decent song, nice closer for the album. 
uh, very fast heavy metal. Um, again, singing, it's not really my cup of tea, but I like the music, I like the riffing, and I like the music, and I'll play a small little clip of this right now. Okay, so that was Without Warning from Sabre. Overall, I think it's a very good album. I think musically, it's an excellent album. Uh, as far as the guitar is concerned, it's very good. The production is really good. I really like most components of the album. The lyrics, or sorry, the vocalist, I, I, I think I might take a small bit of time to warm to him. And that's fine, you know? Um, like, I, I, I really hate to criticize bands who are up and coming and DIY and doing everything and you know working from home basically and, and and can't go out and play live gigs but i have to be honest the vocals i didn't think were uh, the strongest part of the album put it that way but the music the guitar the riffing the soloing really really good so overall i think it's a very good album and check it out if you're interested on bandcamp or spotify okay so another band i wanted to discuss this week is accept so accept got a new singer back around 2009 uh, after a period of inactivity and that's Mark Tornillo so they uh, obviously their famous singer is Udo Dirk Schneider and they released a whole load of albums with him uh, back in the uh, 80s and 90s but uh, Udo Dirk Schneider uh, was replaced by Mark Tornillo and Accept came back in 2010 with an album called Blood of the Nations which I think is an excellent album and then they went on to release Stalingrad in 2012 and Blind Rage in 2014 again really good stuff really good material on those albums um, now in 2017 they released the album The Rise of Chaos I'm not a huge fan of that album to be perfectly honest and nothing about it really clicked with me i, I kind of like, i gave it a few listens and i was like i don't know there was nothing that jumped out at me as um e- essential on, on that album and um since then they've kind of released a few singles they released released a song called life's a bitch kind of a bit of a jokey song very acdc-esque um and I, th- I think that was just kind of a standalone single and then they've gone on to release a couple more different singles now recently uh, they released the undertaker in 2020 they released a song called too mean to die um, and now they've released a song called apocalypse sorry zombie apocalypse and i, I think I, I don't know if maybe it's just me but I, I feel like they're going down a kind of a gimmicky route with these songs so life's a bitch bit of a um a nod to acdc um bit gimmicky like you know life's a bitch uh, you know you're waiting for him to say life's a bitch and then you die and then he does at the end uh the undertaker um i don't really it didn't really click with me too much it was more like again it was gimmicky it was like a song about a character um and it was just kind of like uh i don't know like i felt i feel like they're going down this route where um songs are about kind of gimmicks and then you, you've got recently then too mean to die which it wasn't a bad song but not, not not essential didn't jump out at me and then you've got the song zombie apocalypse now i i don't like i don't know if except need to lower themselves to singing about zombie <laughs> zombie apocalypses they had excellent songs on the likes of stalingrad called shadow soldiers um they had really really good songs on blind rage as well um fall of the empire Trail of Tears, uh, and then all of a sudden they're just kind of releasing these songs that are like The Undertaker, um, Zombie Apocalypse. I don't know, I feel like they're a band who's maybe above resorting to gimmicks for their songs, but um, not a, not too much of a huge fan of, of Zombie Apocalypse really, to be honest, um, or, or Too Mean to Die, and it, it doesn't really bode well for the album that's about to be released, but I'll play a clip of Zombie Apocalypse here just so you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so that was Zombie Apocalypse by Accept. Maybe they're releasing 
the songs that they think are going to get the biggest reaction up front and maybe there'll be better material on the album. I hope so. As I said, I really enjoyed those first three albums with Mark Tranillo. I think he's a very good singer. He has that rasp. He has that Brian Johnson-esque rasp, um, but he has his own spin on it as well. And I think he's a really good frontman and really good replacement for Udo Dirkschneider. I went to see Accept back in 2017. They were supporting Sabaton in Ireland and it was an absolutely fantastic show and I'd say the show was probably split 50-50 between newer Accept songs and Udo songs. Um, And I've seen Udo a couple of times too. I saw him playing a a festival and he was playing a set entirely filled with Accept songs. That was really good. And then he played um, another, a couple of years later at the same festival, he played another set entirely filled with UDO songs. But I think out of all three of those shows I've been to, I, I preferred most the Accept show with Mark Tranillo. So I'm, I'm a big fan of the current output or the recent output, but this latest couple of songs, this latest uh, series of tracks doesn't really do it for me as much as Blood of the Nations or Blind Rage did. So I hope to hear better stuff on the album. Finally, for this episode, I'd like to look at a track by Dread Sovereign. So Dread Sovereign are an Irish, I suppose you'd call them, doom metal band. It's a project from Alan Averill, who is the singer of Primordial. Uh, I really like Primordial, but I'm more a fan of the the recent releases. So from Redemption at the Puritan's Hand onwards, I'm a big fan of those albums. Also, I do like The Gathering Wilderness and To the Nameless Dead, but I really got into Primordial when Redemption at the Puritan's Hand was released um, and then listened to all of the albums after that. So uh, you were talking about um, Where Greater Men Have Fallen, Exile Amongst amongst the Ruins, and Gods to the Godless is a a fantastic live album as well, which really captures a lot of their songs from across their career. Uh, I have that on vinyl, actually. It's really good. Um, But... uh, If you are like me and you really enjoyed Exile Amongst the Ruins and you're kind of waiting for new Primordial material, if you listen to Alan Averill's podcast, he has mentioned that they are working on new Primordial material, but it might be a good while before that comes out. So uh, if you're looking for your Primordial fix, you need those guttural Alan Averill vocals vocals, and uh, you haven't been able to satisfy that, go and listen to Dread Sovereign. They've got three albums out um, and there's a new album out now and I haven't listened to the entire album, but I have been listening to this fantastic song the great beast we serve i've been listening to it a lot recently um you know this is a typical kind of alan averill fair the lyrics uh, the great beast we serve he, he's he's all about the kind of big picture the big picture the machinations of how society and life and government and the world works and this is no different and i, I really find this like it's not really too distinguishable from a primordial song an extremely heavy riff a really nice groove kind of a black sabbath vibe vibe i would say in the song um his vocals are delivered very similar to how they would be on a primordial song but just in general it's it's a great song from alan and dread sovereign such emotion in the vocals and i i highly recommend you check out dread sovereign i've listened to a few tracks on the album this one has been on repeat but they have three different albums out now so they have this album which was released recently uh this one is called alchemical warfare and then they also have all hell's martyrs which was in 2019 and they have for doom the bell tolls which was released in 2017 so a two-year gap between each album there but uh, there's good stuff on all of those albums i highly recommend you check them out Um, and this song is called the great beast we serve Alright, so that's going to do it for episode 17 of Feckin' Metal. As I mentioned, I'll be speaking to Blaze Bailey for my next episode. I'm really looking forward to that one. I hope you are too. Uh, That's going to do it for me for this week. So I'm going to sign off with the theme music from Feckin' Metal, which was which was composed by Kyle McNeil from Seven Sisters. So this is me signing off and I'll see you next time.